Welcome to Reset Your Career in Any Economy. I'm your host, Trika Jean-Baptiste. Today's topic is navigating the PPP, or Payroll Protection Program, what businesses need to know as we approach 2021 and a new administration. What does it all mean for your business? I'm pleased to welcome one half of the Profits of Profit, Brian Califano, co-founder of Accelerating CFO, a New York-based fractional CFO firm that makes it possible for entrepreneurs to benefit from over 40 years of senior Fortune 500 experience. Brian has provided senior finance advisory and leadership for some of the biggest names in the media and entertainment industries, including the McGraw-Hill Companies, Viacom, CA Technologies, and the NHL. Brian was formerly the vice president and corporate controller of SFX Entertainment, where he led the live music entertainment company from startup to initial public offering on NASDAQ. Brian, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me today on this uh, podcast. It's a pleasure to speak with you always, and uh, it's great to speak to you on this uh, excellent platform that you have. Thank you so, so much. So I am so excited to speak to you today, Brian. The timing is perfect as businesses and entrepreneurs embark upon year-end reporting and planning for two. 2021. PPP became a lifeline, as you know, to businesses from small to large. Um, And you and Accelerating CFO, I know, have been immersed in the program and have helped your clients navigate the complexities. Um, So before we dive into PPP, please introduce to our listeners Accelerating CFO. Yeah, thank you so much. So Accelerating CFO CFO firm that provides uh, small and medium-sized businesses uh, with um, accounting and financial expertise um, and CFO services for those companies that can't justify hiring one on a full-time basis. Um, the, the the term fractional CFO implies um, that you can actually get the benefit of a full-time CFO without having to hire one on a full-time basis. What we do is we come in and we help these companies um, that are just on the cusp of of scaling up, say from 1 million to 10 million in revenue or 10 million to 100 million in revenue, et cetera, but they don't have the necessary uh, infrastructure in place or the expertise or really the skill set in their accounting and financial departments to really help them propel to higher areas and to higher to levels of their business. So we come in uh, we step in, we become the, the essentially the CFO for the, for the company, and we help them through significant operations. Now, why we started this company, uh, it, it emanated from my, my time at SFX. So during this time period, um, what we did there was we acquired a bunch of companies um, in the electronic dance music, uh, music space or EDM space, so the, you know, that, that culture there. Right. And and we were purchasing a number of companies at a given time, uh, anywhere from anywhere from five to fifteen companies. And as I was going through those companies and doing due diligence on them, I realized they didn't have a CFO like myself in that place. And I said to myself, right. I wonder why these companies didn't have them. So um, when I did my market research, I realized that um, there was really no company out there that was ha- handling those the the. the clients between a million and 40 million in revenue um, across all types of industries that could really help them go through. So, um, you know, so 
I created, you know, after we did the initial public offering for SFX, um, I left there and I started this company within a week after doing that. And, um, you know, we've had a myriad of clients uh, ranging in hospitality, uh, entertainment, media, technology, manufacturing, distribu distribution, because we've had, um, you know, a number of companies that we were apply our playbook that we've learned and bring it to um, to a sub a market, you know, a segment of the market that that doesn't hasn't had access to our level of experience and expertise previously. That's actually a brilliant concept, and I I love the term fractional. Right. So, yes. I mean, you you actually receive if you're a startup, as you, you just mentioned, you get expertise um, at a level that you probably could not afford at that point in your company's journey. Correct. Yeah, correct. So in other words, what happens is, is that uh, many companies will have an opportunity to acquire another company or <laughs> they'll have an opportunity to sell their company. And since they've many entrepreneurs have not never gone through that process before or understand whether it's a true interest in the company or if it's just a, a, a desire to learn more about your company or, or your industry, they can't tell the difference. So we step in, we help them, you know, discern through that, kind of do due diligence on the buyer or the, the you know, the buyer in this case, as well as help them get their financial information ready. Uh, because it is, it can be a very uh, exhausting, anybody who's gone through it can appreciate how exhausting sure. and detailed it can be. So, yeah, we we're, we become their finance partner for, for the entrepreneur and the business owner um, who may not have anybody who they can rely upon uh, to help them through this process. That's terrific, Brian. That really is imp very impressive. So tell me, how has the pandemic and um, the economic downturn pre-pandemic affected accelerating CFO? What have you seen? In the yeah, industry? so so what's, what's happened, you know, almost immediately, obviously, uh, when the pandemic happened is all our clients um, had turned to us and said, hey, there's there's a serious problem here. How do we handle this? And you know, mm -hmm. at the germination of the of of the of the rolling out of the the PPP program, and other similar programs under the CARES Act that the government issued earlier in 2020, there's a lot of you know understandably confusion. What does this mean? Interpretation sure. rules, etc. So we had to shift our okay. It's not just, you know, it wasn't just tax reporting when this first happened, because most tax returns are due March 15th or April 15th, which is what most of our focus was on at that point. It now became, wow, do we do we qualify for this funding? How do we get it? Right. What makes sense? So for us, our partnership became very much stronger with all of our clients, because, you know, almost like even through life, like when you go through a crisis, your your bonds that you go you go through with people who go through with you together, right. and we went with all of our clients. You know, we got even stronger together because people's livelihoods, jobs, and industries was on the line. And I'm not being over dramatic when I'm saying that, right? Because all of a sudden, all these things are going on. You know, how do I, you know, how do I turn my office that everybody used to go in? I used to have 20, 50, 100 employees go to a single spot every day. Now That's all of a sudden, everybody's dispersed. So how do we do that? And we help them through that process as well. So everything that touches not just financial, but how do I maintain my IT? How do I uh, ensure that nobody's going to be hacking into our systems now that everything's out more diversified outside that, you know, everybody's accessing our 
service outside of our quote unquote safe zone at our company. You know, how do I deal with all that? How do I deal with employees? You know, we also had to help them deal with difficult um, decisions like do we furlough employees? Do we let them go? And, you know, this was all stuff that really, really, you know, again, it's not great things that we had to discuss, but it helped us focus on survival mode and like how do we really maximize um, our company's worth at this time where we're not sure uh, which direction to take. So Exactly. So yeah. it's a true partnership and, and advisory even just to lead them through this this crisis. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, even before the before this whole pandemic happened, you know, we 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 are their financial you know partner in all their business. And it's not, right. you know, the things that we, we pride ourselves on is that we're not just scorekeepers or we don't just say, hey, you're doing well this year. You're not doing so hot. It was more about why aren't we doing so well? Where could we be doing better? Where are there certain financial indicators or KPIs, key performance indicators, that are sure. saying to us what's happening and what's going on? And a lot of times business owners don't aren't as transparent with their other employees of how their financials are. So therefore they can't really go to, you know, the line workers or their marketing person and say, Hey, do I should I make this decision to sell the company? They just don't feel comfortable doing right. that. So we become we really understand the innards of the company and its financial impact. And, you know, obviously with most business owners and entrepreneurs in the small and medium business community, you know, their personal finances and their and their business finances are very well entwined. So once one does well, the other one does and, and vice versa. So everything kind of ripples all through together. And sure. you know, as as the fractional CFO for these firms, we have to take a you know a non-emotional facts driven approach to this and right. anybody who's ever owned their own business knows it's very difficult to separate the emotions of running your business with financials and aspects so um so yeah so, so so certain things got reinforced during the pandemic but other things were just you know kind of like we've always been that way and it just kind of tightened if you will the uh the relationship that we've had with them and our you know and their reliance our reliance on each other actually so sure so for our listeners and, and myself as well, please take us through PPP. In sure. other words, explaining what the program is all about, uh, the process, who it's meant to help, et cetera. Absolutely. So PPP, which for those uh, listening that may not know, stands for the Payroll Protection Program. So this was set up under the CARES Act and it was done earlier this year. Um, in uh, the April 2020 and, and subsequent uh, interpretations and revisions of the program. But at its essence, it was, it was meant to protect, uh, give, give uh, small and medium-sized, you know, small medium-sized businesses the opportunity to get funding to help those protect jobs and protect the livelihood of business owners and, and companies that were adversely affected by right. The impacts of the pandemic. So when this initially rolled out back in May, um, you know, we had the opportunity to review certain expenses and and submit them to your local bank and say to them, under this program that was administered under the Small Business Administration, you know, we are entitled to certain costs. And the formula for these costs was based upon, uh, you know, payroll cost, payroll and payroll related costs, which includes gross wage, wages and the, and the employer taxes related upon it, right. um, interest interest on mortgages, um, rent on, on payments uh, on buildings, 
as well as um, health insurance that's for employees and anything related to utilities and, and other essentials that, you know, those are the big ones that were uh, qualified under the program. So to calculate that was not as straightforward as one might think because of different interpretations and such, and I don't want to, you know, uh, sure. <laughs> bore you and your listeners about it. But essentially, <laughs> you know, the devil was in the details, so you had to make sure you define it and make sure that you were entitled to, to what you were fully, uh, want, you know, you, what you were entitled to. Um, you know, the benefit to all the businesses and the, and the sectors um, was that it, it, it kind of, it, depending on the, on the business itself, it benefited um, everybody to a certain degree. There was some confusion, sure. especially in the hospitality industry. You know, it was great that this money was granted. So the question became, well, all right, I, I'm thank you for the funding. But if you like, for example, if you're in New York City at the time the money was first available, where am I supposed to? I, I can't open my restaurant. Nobody's coming. You know, I can't open my hotel. Nobody's going to be there. So what do I do? Right. I can't bring back employees and just have them sit around for eight hours. So they extended right. they extended the period from initially the eight weeks over a twenty four week period that you could use the qualified funding for, which helped some businesses, um, you know, gain some ramp time and some lead time to open up the doors and prepare uh, for a new environment under this pandemic. So um, it allowed, you know, that was also a big thing as well because when it first rolled out, it was only eight weeks, and I was dealing with questions of should I just give the money back? Um, should I just have right. people just sit in the door all day and just kind of give them money? So you know, with each with each situation, we were able to counsel them and and, and make it through and and um, uh, help them through that. Now, the big um, the the big process now. So back in May and June, when these when these grants were first given, the big part the big question was how do I uh, how much do I calculate for my right, qualified exactly. spending? So now as we end, we get towards the end of the year, we're now entering a zone of, all right, well, how do I apply for forgiveness for the loan? And there have been certain interpretations depending on the industry of what's happening um, that will interpret it. Now, if you're, um, if you're a, a sole proprietor or a solopreneur who qualified under this program and you're under 50,000 in your loan, well, the, the government, smartly streamline the process so that you were only going to get, you know, it was a much easier process to apply for forgiveness. And in this case, um, you know, if it wasn't a hundred percent forgiven, it would be largely forgiven and you can just start to, um, you know, either start paying it back or go forward with your, um, with your business, knowing that it was a hundred percent forgiven for those above $50,000. Um, now is the time where you need to work with your financial you know, with your financial department, your tax accountant, um, and your bank representative to figure out the application process for forgiveness. Um, it's right. it, depending on your situation. It could be very, uh, it could be very straightforward. So if you had a, if you were a company that didn't furlough or lay off any of your employees or didn't reduce anybody's salaries along the way. Again, it's a pretty simple process. Now, for the vast, vast majority of your listeners and for the medium-sized business community in general, that's not the case. And there's various formulas that you need to calculate depending upon, um, you know, what your employee level was before and after the pandemic hit, which is defined in the act as February 15th, 2020. You know, what was your quote-unquote normal levels before and then what was it during this covered period that you have under PPP? 
And depending on when you brought people right. back, there's varying levels of forgiveness as a result of that. And the same thing for uh, reducing salaries. Uh, under the Act, you were permitted to have up to 25% um, reduction in salaries without penalty um, under this forgiveness program. However, um, if it was anything more than that, then there would be a uh, potential impact of reducing the amount that would be forgiven and therefore have to pay back. Now, um, for those that are being uh, forgiven, uh, obviously, for any portion of amount that's forgiven, then you don't have to pay back to the government and whatever is not forgiven is, has to be treated as a loan. You have a period of up to five years to pay it back. Let me just give you a quick illustrative example. Um, let's say a company. Yes, please. Let's say, yeah, let's say a company um, initially applied um, for a PPP loan and received five hundred thousand um, dollars. Now, as they work through the program, now that they have the five hundred thousand dollars and they've spent the money and they've documented to the um, to first their bank, they would have to submit an application and say, "We've gone through our expenses and the formulas as outlined in the application provided by the SBA." Um, and now we've determined that $400,000 qualifies as forgivable expenses under the PPP and $100,000 has to be paid back to the government. Um, the $100,000 under this program would be paid in equal installments under, for two years, um, for two years or five years, uh, depending upon uh, your bank and your and um, under the program when you applied for it, you would either pay back at a one percent interest rate over two years or over five years, um, and the bank would review your application first, determine if it was all qualified under the act, and then they would send it to the SBA for their review. Now, the bank review you have up to six. The bank has up to sixty days to review it before they send it to the SBA. And then the SBA has up to 90 days after that point to review and determine the, you know, the, 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 you know, the accuracy of the calculations and their approval. Right. So from the time that you, you initially apply it, uh, submit your application to when it's ultimately approved, it could be up to 150 days or up to five months at this point. So um, all of these, all oh, of the spent, all this, yeah, it's a long time. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, there is tax implications on this um, as well, which I'll get to in a second. But my point is, is that if you apply for this, even if you do it today, it could be up to May 2021 before. Wow. Before, you know, granted, the earlier the earlier you do it, the less likely it's going to be that long. But you have um, under the program up to 10 months after you receive your money to submit your application. So in an extreme timeline, if most people receive their money somewhere between April and June of, let, of this year, um, and they take right. the full 10 months, so let's say you got your money in May 1st. If you wait 10 months, right. that could be up to March 1st of 2021. And if you apply another three months on top of that, excuse me, five months, the maximum time period on top of that, you could, not, you could very well not have final determination of your forgiveness of this original program up until about a year and a half, which is kind of crazy, right? Um, and it is. <laughs> uh, it is. So, uh, so, the, so listeners may be asking themselves, well, what's the tax implications? So let me just go through that real quick. Um, so most tax advisors, and you should talk to your CPA about this as well, but what we're telling our clients 
and most of our CPAs that we work with will concur with this is that you know if you to get your application as soon as possible because if you don't know when you submit your 2020 tax return if you don't know the amount that you're um, that's going to be exactly forgiven then you have to give your best right. estimate you have to give your best estimate of what you think it'll be and that's always difficult and the, and the government's telling yeah, you basically is. assume that more is going to be paid back than less and that if you end up having more forgiven then you have to reapply resubmit and and um amend your existing tax form so most right. people are going to be telling people to extend it into you know september october until you have the final determination of what the amount is it'll make things easier um right now from the tax treatment of the ppp um what the government has said is and this is as of the taping of this there's scutterbutt if you will or talk about this changing but right now um any expenses that get forgiven um, does not get included as other income on your tax return, but you also can't deduct the expenses on your tax return either. Let me give an illustrative example. Let's use the $500,000 that I said earlier today, right? right. Um, and 400000 is forgiven. Now, under the strict tax code, any amount that gets any, any company or any government that gives you money that ultimately gets um, uh, forgiven is, it should be treated as income. On your tax case, the PPP says no taxpayer or, or company that's paying taxes. You don't have to include it on your tax return, the four hundred thousand. However, you do not. Have you do to not include it. it as other income, but you also okay. do. But you but you also do not include it. You cannot deduct those expenses on your tax return either. So you so right. for the tax preparer, you have to. So if your if your wages for the year was a million dollars. You know, including the PPP money you received, your your deduction on your tax return would be six hundred thousand or one million minus the four hundred thousand that you, that you got forgiven on your tax right. return. So it ends up being a net zero impact on your tax return in terms of what you've received and what you can deduct. Um, right. But but you know the intention of this originally when it was issued was that you know that you would you would be able to deduct the expenses on your tax return and also uh, get the money so you you know for us for those people receiving it, it was supposed to be you can have your cake and eat it too you use a trite a trite expression but um right, right. now you cannot um you cannot uh, claim that deduction on your tax return which a lot of people are upset about um but sure. um uh, but there there's this currently talk in in um you know in the government halls now to change that so basically override what the irs has recently issued to um, make it uh, ben more beneficial to the to the to the companies and the taxpayers, so we'll see upon that. Right. But right now, that is the current uh, that is the current tax impact on that. Right. So, Brian, your best guesstimate: what kind of of relief or assistance do you believe is coming yeah. in twenty one? Because we're clearly you know, not out of the woods in terms of the pandemic and, you know, with reports of surges, new surges um, coming on and, you know, industries just really suffering. What do you see happening in terms of relief? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. What I've been telling my clients is that we should be prepared for another round of PPP, which will be somewhat a little bit different than what we originally had 
Um, a quick example. I think yeah. uh, the first, so in the original PPP, I'll call it, um, there was no there was no requirement to document any impact of your financial um, uh, any financial impact that that um, the pandemic had on your business. Right. It was presumed that there was going to be huge financial impacts on on your business at the time that the money was done. Uh, it was it was more anticipatory, and and it was presumed if you as long as you were um, showing good faith that you felt it was going to be bad, you know, a negative impact. It was done under this new impact. Under any new rules that are done, they're going to basically ask you to provide financial information that shows all right your revenue was X in 2019, and in 2020 right. your revenue was X minus you know 100,000, 500,000, et cetera, so that there should be some quantification. So I'm anticipating some kind of a formula which will seek to make uh, companies whole um, and document what losses you may have had. So I think they'll, my belief is that there'll be something along those lines. Um, so that will be of an impact on that. I think it's definitely needed. Um, and, sure. I also, and I also think like similar to the first one, it'll be linked to jobs. Um, you know, keeping people employed, that's the main goal of this and 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 keeping people um, doors open. It'll be what will be interesting is, um, you know, the original PPP was very uh, um, focused, well, not very, but, but the primary um, the primary goal was to get people to maintain their employment and to stay on jobs. And the secondary um, benefit, was to help landlords maintain their rents at office buildings. So sure. you're, you're an expert in this. You know this much better than I do. But what's been happening over the past six to eight months is that companies have realized that as if people have gone home, they have not had to have as big a foot imprint on their business, on their office space as others, as as previously. Uh, so I've, I've been helping clients actually leave space or downsize their space um, in their in their buildings to accommodate the the new remote from home work life. What'll be interesting right. is that right. is what how that gets treated in any second round of PPP that happens. That will be um, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of formula that will either account for it under a sliding scale similar to an employee headcount scale. Like for example, if your rent was sure. eight hundred thousand and down, so therefore you get a, a diluted benefit. Or if it just ignores it altogether, so that will be interesting. But there will be, there has to be some kind of additional rounds because I think you know, we're heading towards a similar, you know, dramatic shutdown for businesses, which again will be very, very um, impactful for several businesses, especially the uh, the hospitality industry, which I'm you know very uh, empathetic to and, and trying my best to help. Sure. And also, um, to your point just now on the real estate, commercial real estate side as well, um, when you consider the leases, um, right. you know, as you alluded to, what, how will that be treated? Um, and I, I guess this is applicable to all sizes of businesses that lease space. Um, so, you know, how does, how would another round help them? in terms of, of that expense? Yeah, that, 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 that's a question. I, that's a great unknown right now. That's not something that's been addressed in anything I've read or, you know, what rumor has, if you will. Um, but it has to be addressed because, I, I you know, the, um, 
you know, the landlord owners are, are going to be, you know, have been impacted as well by this. I mean, I think many of them have worked well with clients to work with them in terms of being very cooperative, deferring rent payments and, and abating sure. certain payments and stuff. And that's been very, um, they've kind of answered the call, if you will. But, um, sure. you know, how, how, you know, can they do that for another year or so? Can they do another five, you know, another five, six months of, of that, you know, because people, um, you know, again, you know, what, what a landlord supposed to do at that point. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, there has to be uh, fortification for them and it has to yes. be, you know, it's an acknowledgement that both sides are hurting and it's yes. just a matter of how do you get both people satisfied, you know, to make them whole. I mean, this is what we're asking people to do is make them whole. I mean, this has been, like I said, there's also additional costs, you know, just to, if, if people, you know, a retail stall opening up again, you know, set up pe- plexiglass, make sure there's social distancing, you know, right. increasing capacity. There's huge impacts to this that people have to account for in these formulas of, of uh, you know, to provide uh, payments for people, uh, you exactly. know, these priority payments. So it's 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 not easy. Um, and, you know, the, you know, the Treasury Department, um, you know, in my opinion, these the, the original PPP program, although under duress, it has been, you know, criticized at times for, certain things has in large part been very helpful to the businesses that are my opinion, certainly for my clients and for small, medium sized businesses in general has been hugely beneficial to keeping doors open and and keeping people employed. But no doubt Uh, this has to, you know, there's going to have to be a a similar, if not more enhanced program uh, to keep, you know, the, the pulse of the the small, medium sized business community um, alive and kicking. So, Right. Main yeah. Street, as we say. That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, anybody Definitely. and everybody can see it. You know, it's not something that people are saying, where where can you see it? I think all of us, you know, um, just impacting our own personal lives and just going, you know, driving just to the supermarket on our way there and all the restaurants and all the retail stores that are now either shuttered or have limited hours. Um, everybody's impacted by this. And I think that's uh, true. We have that's to continue true. to fight yeah. this vigilance. Yeah. So, Brian, as you know, um, my background is hospitality, and I do know that you have been engaged in the sector um, with clients. And so I I want to um, just talk a little to that sector, that industry, in particular, independent uh, boutique properties, um, as opposed to the big box brands who have resources. Um, So how have you helped that portion of the hospitality industry, those unflagged properties? Right. No, absolutely. So, I mean, so the first step, again, um, that we did in the beginning was help them calculate their, their PPP money that they should be entitled to. And it was a little bit, again, a little bit, um, uncertain of how to calculate it and all the complexities on it and largely because like you know and this was the fundamental questions that i was asking you know the clients are asking me do i keep my doors open just to keep people employed or do i simply um keep them on the sideline and wait for this money you know so you know you had a lot of those basic questions being asked and for them and for the for every single uh, uh client that we have the answer was yes let's stay open but let's pivot Let's pivot a little bit and let's be smarter about it. So let's right. let's bring back, you know, if your capacity went down from, you know, 90 to 92 percent down to 12 or 10 percent, 
you know, let's do a proportionate scaling down of your employee size, your expenses. Sure. Let's pare it down. That was the first step. So the second step was, okay, um, how do we get backup financing just in case, you know, this happens? And that required, you know, in these cases, going back and making sure the financials were updated and properly stated under U.S. GAAP, you know, or under accounting principles here in the U.S., um, and reviewing the financials, going back to original lenders and seeing if they would be willing to refinance or defer payments over six months. And in, in, cert- in some cases, actually going outside uh, outside bridge financing and finding them the, the cushion that they need because uh, – as you can fully appreciate, you know, sectors were, you know, banking, lending institutions weren't exactly diving into the space or are not diving into the exactly. space. Exactly. Right so it took, you know, um, some, you know, meetings of minds and, and bringing people in um, and understanding the finances and people that understood the hotel business, the independent hotel operator and what it means to him or her to run that business and that they would put their neck on the line to make it to keep it open and to survive this and go through it and thrive in the in the post-pandemic world so we to to work with them and negotiate and we continue to do that and you know we're we're successfully exploring all financial financing options for them um, and explaining the pros and cons everything from doing internal financing to external financing you know do you borrow against uh, the loan, you know, do you take an additional mortgage out on, on your own property? Do you look at internal stuff on your personal finances and borrow against that? And we weigh the pros and cons of all those different financing options to lay this right. out. And then finally, again, you know, with the um, the application process, you know, with the PPP, you know, it's a little complex because if you had 75 employees, for example, in, in the pre, you know, in the pre-pandemic world, and now you're down to a scale a scale down version well it's going to impact your forgiveness calculation so we at accelerating cfo are going through that with all our clients and saying all right well it looks like forgiveness you know before we uh enter the application all right well it looks like your forgiveness is going to be x which means you're gonna have to pay back y this is how it's going to impact your cash flow over the next you know two to five years how do we adjust so accordingly and do that so really doing some robust forecasting and, and budgeting which is um you know, historically may not have been done by these, by by my clients prior to them engaging with us. So that's really what we're doing at Accelerating CFO is really devising a strategy which shows what the implications of that cash flow will be, but sure. showing that, but more, more importantly, giving them the optimism and the hope that we can get through this. We will get through this together and really giving them um, the impetus to get past this and, and be successful. Uh, in the post-pandemic world. That's true. So they should really be having conversations with you now, I I would say, just based on this conversation. Absolutely. No matter what they've done, it's it's definitely worth the investment of time to have the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, Trika. I mean, we we have been, um, what we do is sit down with clients, especially this time of the year, like taking, even removing this current situation from the equation, most companies that are uh, calendar year companies would engage with us now to kind of map for the following year, because many companies don't have a formal budgeting and account process that all of our clients at Accelerating CFO have. So we can actually walk them through and say, okay, what are your key drivers? What, what, what What's your financial goals? Where do you want to be next year? What's the ultimate end goal three to five years? Literally laying that all out for them 
and then right. saying, okay, well, if this is the case, then we need to achieve, you know, this amount of utilization rate, or we have to have a rack rate of X, you know, percentage, and then seeing what, you know, what the trends are in your traffic over a period of years and figuring out how are you going to get there? Do you need to increase marketing? Do you need to decrease spending? And really scrutinizing the expenses. And it's not too late to do that. It's never too late, in my opinion, even if it was, um, you know, if somebody wants to do an early 2021, it's never too late to do a forecast uh, in that aspect. So, yes, sure. I mean, companies should engage with us now, the sooner the better, because it really, we've helped owners really scrutinize their own businesses in a different way. Because I think when you get comfortable in how you operate things, you kind of do things in a comfortable, predictable manner. Absolutely. Uh, you know, somebody, somebody like an accelerating CFO for us to come in and analyze your business and question and say, why is this going to happen? Well, we've always done it that way. Really? Why are you doing it this way? Is there a better way of doing it? Right. Um, can you staff people better and such? So we really analyze that for companies and for in all industries, but especially the hospitality industry. And, you know, we really want to um, make sure that, um, you know, that people understand where they're heading and how they are dividing, you know, they're heading due north, as I like to say. That they're exactly. heading, you know, and they can identify metrics early on that indicate, yeah, we're heading that way, or you know what, we're not, and we really need to, um, we need to correct course or change, change our strategy. Exactly, and and you know, in terms of the hospitality industry, we have been through many many crises and and cycles, and what we do know to be true is that the industry always returns but each time it looks differently. So sitting alongside an accelerating CFO will actually help um, the industry with evaluating what travel will look like and how they can be prepared to meet the new demand. Um, because you know we're starting to see, especially in the summer, travel resuming, but it was very different. Um, you know, more safe, outdoors, regional. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to sit alongside an accelerating CFO because not only can you assist on the um, uh, PPP or, or other financial um, size, but just really setting them up internally to be Absolutely. successful. Absolutely. I think everybody um, is trying to act as safely as possible. And if that meant, you know, to your point, going from a more outdoorsy vacation from traditionally maybe doing something more, you know, extravagant on the inside, I think that's where um, a major happening. And we, what we've been inviting our clients to do is to adapt to those times. Like put the, you know, the biggest thing we tell people is like, put yourselves in the, in the traveler's shoes, for example, which most people can, you know, in the industry can relate to. Like what, yeah. how, how do I appeal to that person? Like what, what do we currently offer that will make a difference in their, in their lives and make them more appealing, which impacts, you know, marketing plans. And, and like I said, staffing and everything else. So there's a multiple ripple effect. When you get people exactly. to think about things, and uh, I, I agree with you 110%. I think uh, the the ability to pivot, especially for the small independent owners, it's it's easier in in terms of size, but again, that's that emotional aspect, which is which which many times proves to be, you know, an you know one of the last obstacles to clear before companies uh, before operators say, okay, yeah, we'll do this. You know, it, sure. it becomes an emotional decision for sure. 
That's true. And then um, just, you know, addressing other sectors in, in your business overall during this time, which areas or industries have you seen um, emerge or, um, you know, really become strong or um, successful? Well, certainly, I mean, in terms of sectors, I mean, one one industry, obviously, anybody producing PPE, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the personal protection equipment um, has done very, very well. And those that pivoted to it are finding themselves prosperous. Uh, IT services have done very, very well. Really? Um, you know, if you think about, well, because a lot of companies, again, went from working at a shared space into a common area to now distributed environment. Sure. So the question became, well, how how do we do this? And now all of a sudden people go into people's homes and setting up, uh, you know, safe, you know, setting up uh, enhancing uh, employees uh, infrastructures so they can handle, you know, going in and out. You know, a, comp- a person working from home, you know, you have multiple people, you know, if you have uh, young children, you know, gaming all day or now that they're home from school, now they had increased right. capacities. So now you have to upgrade routers and upgrade infrastructure and make sure that there's proper securities in place so that a comp- so that if a stu- you know somebody goes uh, a child that's using you know mom and dad's computer um, to go on and play uh, uh, Minecraft I'm trying to think of a current name a current <laughs> game out there I don't play them I don't play them but uh, I know people that may um, yeah but you know that kind of thing but that, sure. that it, it had a huge impact so those people are doing very well insurance is actually you know again we talk about sectors oh. outside of what we're talking about insurance did extremely well both on the cyber cyber liability for the same reasons i had but also right. insurance people were saying you know they all of a sudden people were concerned about you know their mortality so all of a sudden you know estate planning and and insurance life insurance that that a lot of people said home you know oh my goodness i better make sure my plans are in order so those were some of the businesses doing well and also the final thing, you know, I have a number of clients in the uh, retail space, and you know, by pivoting away from retail stores and going online, they've actually increased their profitability because they don't have uh, a large amount of returns, or they don't, you know, they're dealing directly with customers now, where the pricing is better and, and the margins are stronger. So they wow. actually are doing better. And now, as we head into uh, this the holiday selling season you know, they're poised to, you know, do better than what they did last year, which was a little bit surprising for me because in the sense that they were, that how quickly um, behavior became that people were still buying, um, even though I thought maybe demand was going to go down, but uh, That's it ended true. Up, yeah, it ended up being just as strong. Uh, That's surprising. true. Yeah. Ah, this is really good information. So this leads me to my last question. Of course. Um, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm sure our listeners will uh, want to know the answer or your thoughts on this. In your opinion, economically, what can you predict for 2021? I know we have a new administration coming yeah. on and, and um, with the, I guess, suggested appointment of Janet Yellen, um, markets are exciting. Yeah. So what what are your predictions? What do you think 2021 will look like? So I, I think 2021 and how we're planning with my clients to do is really uh, anticipating a slow first quarter for 2021. I think that we're going to um, go through uh, a winter where things are going to be a little bit slower. 
Um, I think the transition between presidencies will be, um, you know, as one leaves and the other one comes in, there'll be varying levels of um, uh, of people kind of locking down more, being shut down more. And I think once, you know, the holiday season comes through and all the spending at the end of the year, come, you know, ends and January starts rolling around, I think people are going to be pretty conservative waiting for whether it's a vaccine or some kind of indicator that the, the virus is, is dying down a little bit. Um, which probably won't happen um, during the winter months, in my you know, in my uninformed opinion, uh, on right. scientifically, but basically what we've been reading about. But I do believe that once April and May roll around, um, mm -hmm. I do believe that you know people will start to feel really, really restless. You know, call it enhanced cabin fever, and right. people are going to be very anxious to get you know take those vacations that were deferred for a year. They're going to go and visit places and do things that, you know, you know, buoyed by the confidence of, um, you know, this this anticipated cure that sure. we're going to start. We're going to start to go out and, and live our lives more and probably make up for what they people feel is lost time. You know, and I think sure. people are going to, you know, uh, feel like they're going to have to go out there and get, you know. So I, you know, what I've been telling clients is let's manage our cash flow as much as we can so we don't have to spend as much in the beginning of the year. You know, as things are are building up, let's build up a you know a services or or product that we can handle. Um, you know, an anticipated lull, and then once the uh, once April May starts rolling around, that people are going to start feeling better. I think you know, as companies open up and 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 uh, people go back to work, you know, more into the cities and stuff, and people feel more confident that um, that this is that the the bad part is behind us. That right. things are gonna things are gonna get better. I, I in terms of sectors, that better. Um, I think the hospitality, I think in the restaurant business will 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 boom. I, I hope the population of the people that are in there will be largely the same. But reality tells me that there'll be some people, some changes in, in how things look. But I think uh, sure. Like anything else, the newer hospitality will be more mobile, will be more flexible. Maybe provide less services, but you know more core stuff, and maybe less uh, ancillary services in terms of like uh, you can get breakfast. For, you know, if you have four days, get one free or or breakfast and such. I think as companies start to get uh, back on their feet, uh, if you will, you know, profitability and, and cost outlays, that um, people will you know prices will go up a little bit higher, but. Sure. People will ignore that because they felt that they've been saving their money for this, and they'll, so therefore they'll spend a little bit more. So that's you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the kind of um, the uh, the mentality, the the positive outlook. You know, I've been telling all my clients, you know, let's build a, a let's create momentum in in the last quarter of twenty twenty to um, carry us into twenty twenty one and just knock down those dominoes to profitability and to really. Uh, you know, propel ourselves and look back on this 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 period of time as, yeah, it was tough, but we got through it, and now we're we're That's even stronger right. than ever. So yeah, well, that that is very good advice, great advice, Brian, and and very uplifting. And um, okay. I've learned so much, and uh, it, it's all about planning, as right. you say, and just being really smart about it. So this has been terrific. Thank you. Um, so Brian, how can our listeners get in touch with you. Absolutely. So I encourage all my listeners to, well, your listeners, excuse me. There, there are listeners, right? Our um, listeners. For today, for today, there are listeners. Yeah. Um, but 
I, I would encourage you to, to reach out to me, um, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me at Brian Califano uh, out there. Um, our website, uh, acceleratingcfo.com, A-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-I-N-G-C-F-O.com. You can also uh, contact me via email at brian at acceleratingcfo.com. And, um, you know, let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you know. And, and follow me on LinkedIn. I try to post uh, I post every week on things that impact yeah, your size businesses. Account and, is great. Yeah. Very thank important. you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, we found, you know, we we've known each other for a while. We follow each other. So I find a lot of value in this podcast. This is awesome. I, I, I love listening thank to you. it. And, um, and I try to, and I try to hit as many, I try to, in my newsletter, I try to impact, um, you know, get people thinking about as a small, medium sized business owner, what you should be thinking about, whether it's business and planning, as we've discussed, or certain things about debt financing and, and enhancing your business model and, and, you know, adjusting this all the time. So we try to we try to provide as much value as we can to our readers in terms of thinking things through, whether it's uh, maximizing your cash flow or thinking about selling your business or buying another or raising equity. Uh, we try to add as much value as we can to our to our readers so that they can make as informed a decision as possible. Exactly. Well, this is really great. And I encourage everyone listening, please do reach out to Brian. Now is the time. He's amazing. Uh, we've known each other professionally, and he's really the best um, at what he does. So please do reach out to him. So, Brian, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate your time. And thank you. Thank you. It's been great to speak with you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Stay safe. Stay Take safe. Care. God bless. Thank you. If you would like to get in contact with Brian, please go to the information section in the podcast to find his contact details. Additionally, you may reach out to Brian via LinkedIn. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Reset Your Career in Any Economy. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Trika Jean-Baptiste. Be well, take care of yourselves and others. Reset Your Career in Any Economy is brought to you by AnchorFM.com, the easiest way to make a podcast. If you're contemplating podcasting and don't know where to start, I highly recommend that you check out AnchorFM.com. So for more information, please log on to the site. Thanks for listening.